How many of you, just out of curiosity, have been here for every Sunday of the Glory Days series? Well, that's pretty good, actually, because, I mean, nowadays that doesn't happen as much. Yeah. How many of you have been here for a Sunday in the Glory Days series? Yeah, we've been doing this for, <laughs> we just lowered the bar dramatically and got a lot better response. Yeah, true. We've, um, you know, we've been talking about how God's, he says that he, he takes us from glory to glory. We've said that God's, our greatest story is still being written, ours. And all, if you remember, all the, all the way back to the beginning of this series, when I told you originally it was going to be my greatest story is still being written, and God really stopped me short and said, Paul, it's not just about individuals. It's about the body, the family. It's not about me. Yeah, Our greatest story is still being written. And so we have had four testimonies during this series, and haven't they been amazing, right? Um, can you just give it up one more time for our four people that have shared their testimonies? There's just our, our culture, well, we are wired for stories. We're wired. Like, we, I could, you could have somebody talk right now. I could, like, lecture you, teach you, and you'd be like, this is, what do you say? But if I start telling you a story... Then you're like leaning in, like telling the person next to you, shh, shh, I don't want to miss this part, right? Like we are wired for stories. And so thank you to those of you who have shared the story of how God is just not only how he's worked in your life, but is working. And I love the culture that we have here that allows people to share even as they're in the process, right? This is, this is where I was. This is where I am. That's where I'm headed, right? And it has been so, so good. I told you that we have um, an amazing morning this morning as we wrap this up. And God really lined this up. Scott and I were having um, lunch at um, Mazatlan, and Jesus shows up at Mazatlan all the time. How many of you experienced that? Jesus showing up while you're eating chips and salsa. And we were just talking, and we realized, like, compassion being here today. He just started telling me, again, a story, and that story just captivated me. Like, I think we're both sitting there just crying over chips and salsa, and I'm like, we've got to get that story on this platform. And so we have Compassion International with us in the house. We did this once before, right before, was it right before the pandemic? I think it was. I don't know. It's like everything's BP, AP, and BP, right? Um our BP and AP. So we had them come in, and it was phenomenal. And your response was the kind of response that makes pastors just go, yeah, that's my church. That's my church right there. I mean, you're so generous, and God moved. And so when, when we talked about doing this again, I mean, I've told you, our church is radically different than it was before the pandemic. And I kept thinking, man, if, God, if you did that then, what do you want to do now? There's a lot of you that are here that are new. You weren't a part of that day. You might be going, compassion? Like, what in the world is that? So we've brought Scott. Scott's going to come and share kind of like what is compassion? What, is, what, is it, what does it mean when we say, hey, I'd like to adopt a child or two or ten? What does that look like? And uh, just so you know, before he comes, Scott's really low energy. And so he's going to need you to really get him pumped up. So can you just give him a huge gathering welcome as he comes? Yeah. So I don't do drugs. I just act like I do. Um, I do Jesus. I really do. And I'm that guy that... Um, 
came from a crazy beginning, I bet you're the same way, right? I bet you're the same way. My mom had a woman at the well story, and a long time ago, um, this is going to, I don't want this to be heavy. I just want to show you what God can do. She got raped, and she was kind of promiscuous and a bunch of dudes in her life, and she became a Christian when she was 50, but until then, it was, it was messy, right? And um, she decided not to have an abortion. The year was 1961, and almost 62 years later, that guy is standing right before you now. Isn't that great? That's God. Um, but it has not been without a bunch of mess, right? I was bitter about that for a long time. And I turned 21. I'll never forget. I'd been dating my wife, who I married. Um, we'd been dating for like four and a half years. And I was mean to her. Never physically mean, but just mean. And very jealous of her. She's beautiful, still is. And I got saved like six months before we got married. And her mom and dad said, dude's different, but I don't believe it. And they offered her a new car not to marry me the night before we got married. Thank God it was just a Honda, right? Um, had it been a Beamer, I probably would still be single. Um, but we laugh about that now. Her mom's embarrassed about it. I said, no, Miss Hoppus, I've since then have had a daughter. I totally understand why she did that. And just to tell you that God rescued me, right? He rescued you. And he rescues you to be a rescuer. Little did I know at that time he was getting me ready for this day. And each career he's given me, I didn't want to leave. I'm serious. I've had four careers and loved them, but they, he was layering me for now. And I wonder what he's doing in your life that he's layering you for for the next thing. Because here's what I want you to know. You're not too old. If, if, if you're still breathing, you're still here. He's not done with you, right? And that's what I love about compassion. I, I've always had a heart for the kids in the margin because I was one of those kids. And it's funny how if you've never been one of those kids, it's kind of hard to understand that, where they're coming from, right? Um, and it was about 10 years ago that compassion called. I'd gone to meet my own compassion child who I didn't even think existed. My son's the one that talked me into sponsoring my first kid. I thought this was a scam. Thought it was stock photos. I'm not kidding. My favorite actor is Denzel Washington. Still is. Love Denzel. Um, and my son talked me into sponsoring my first kid because his name's Denzel. True story. I'm just going to keep it real here, okay? Um, and it's funny. Two years after I started sponsoring him, the guy that hired me is a dear friend of mine. I was one of his pastors, and he said, don't you sponsor a little boy? Didn't you sponsor Denzel from Compassion? I went, supposedly. And he said, no, dude, he really exists, and I'm going to Kenya. I want you to meet him. And when I met him, everything changed. So the cool thing about being a skeptic is if you're truly a skeptic, if you're not just making excuses, if you're truly looking for answers, that's Okay. That's okay. I used to be Saul about compassion. Now I'm Paul. Because I met my little boy, Denzel, who, by the way, his name's Emmanuel Denzel and Billy. As he's gotten older, he's 16 now, he wants to be called Emmanuel. I said, okay. 
the Denzel's what actually put you in my life that God used, which was kind of cool. But he, when I met him, he came, he came and started hugging and kissing my feet and crying. And I was like really feeling guilty because I didn't even think he existed. I'd never prayed for him. I'd never given him a second thought ever. Never wrote him a letter, nothing. I, I didn't think he existed. They were just taking $38 a month out of my checking account that I didn't miss. You never do. You know, we always talk about our money. We, we blow so much money. It's just, and I remember telling his grandmother, Esther, I said, you must ask him to stop. I'm just a guy. And she said, you must let him honor you. He thinks he's alive because of you. You're an angel. That is what they call sponsors. The kids do. They call us rescuers, which is why I call, I don't call this sponsorship. There's something about that that just doesn't fit what this really does. And a little bit later, it was awkward for like the first 15 minutes. And by the time our visit was over, we neither one wanted to leave. And I've got to meet him again a couple more times. He's a dear son of mine. He even calls me dad now. And, and I made a commitment then. I was going to treat this differently. And two years later, Compassion called. And we began that journey. And my wife and I made a decision that every year we're at Compassion, we're going to add another child. And so we've been here 10 years, and we're rescuing 10 kids. And we're not on commission, just so you'll know. I've had guys say, of course you do. You get paid to sponsor kids. Nope, we don't. Here's why we do it. Because it works. And here's why it works. We go to the poorest of the poor in the world. Extreme poverty families, $2 or less a day. And we go in, and we, it's, listen, we didn't start this way. We measure outcomes, compassion does. And we learn if it works, we do it. If it doesn't, we stop. Wouldn't it be great if we could do that in our own lives? <laughs> Especially churches, Pastor Paul. We got so many things. That's the great thing about COVID. The great thing about COVID is so many churches have been able to reboot after COVID and really pull the plug on some things that just didn't have any energy before then, right? Um, compassion does that. And what we have found out is poverty is a stronghold. It's not just not having... Air Jordans, it's not just that. It's way more than that. It's got an educational side. Kids in this county, this is Stanley County, is that right? In Stanley County, those of you that are natives know that there are pockets of poverty that have been here for generations. And we feed it, and they stay in poverty. And we take some clothing, and they stay in poverty. We buy them backpacks, and they stay in poverty. So what Compassion's learned, the poverty must be more than just physical. There's an emotional side to it, a hopelessness. There's an educational side. I don't know if you know this, in most countries in the world, public school is not free. And so we middle class, I, if I can say it, we middle class white people point at it and go, they need to get a job and they need to go to school. Well, they can't. Harder to do than you think when you are a fourth or fifth generation poverty person or kid, right? 
And so what we've learned is that if, if public school has a, a tuition and a school uniform you have to buy and you're living on $2 or less a day, school's not an option. And so it repeats itself. And there's an educational side to that poverty. And that's got to be addressed. So the emotional, educational, and physical side, what Compassion's learned, it actually starts spiritually. I'm not talking about prosperity gospel, but you're about to, I'm going to introduce a former Compassion child who was here a few years ago, and we wanted to bring him back because God is, keeps doing crazy stuff in his life and changes his story. But he will tell you that poverty started to leave his life when he met Jesus Christ. And so we go only in Jesus' name. This holistic child development is what we do. And we do it in a local church that is a Christian, Jesus-only church in 27 developing countries in the world. The Gathering is partnering with us in churches in Peru, in Burkina Faso, and in the Dominican Republic. So what I want you to know is when you're doing your little $38 a month uh, sponsorship and you feel like, this is, just makes me feel good. That's great. But as I told our table volunteers this morning, it just does way more than you can even imagine. Here's why. Compassion's learned, and this is true here. So the gathering and you, we can do this here to help end poverty. I'm serious. You have to get poverty out of the person before you can get the person out of poverty. Because it starts spiritually. And that's what compassion does. So when you do $38 a month, you pay for school tuition. You buy them a school uniform, which is a huge deal for them. It really is. And because many of these kids have never been to school or in their, and their parents are illiterate, then it also provides um, real high-capacity volunteer work at the church where we do tutoring to help them get caught up in school, right? So it provides that. It does buy them a couple of sets of clothing. A, a casual set and a dressy set because all of our work is done in a what? Church. So we want them to go to that church. Now, I don't know if you know this, but the number one reason that poverty-stricken people give for the reason they don't go to church, it used to be that they weren't invited. It's actually, if they, you really get past that, it's because they feel like their clothing, they don't look good enough. So we make sure they have a dressy set of clothing too, either a dress if it's a girl or a nice set, and then we buy them a pair of unbroken shoes, too. So there is some clothing provided. Medical care, immediate medical attention. These kids have, you know what a doctor is for a kid living in extreme poverty? It's a witch doctor. It's, that's why those are so popular in poverty-stricken areas, because there's no medical insurance for them. So compassion kids immediately are nursed back to health, something you may not know. People that die in extreme poverty rarely die of starvation. It's usually malnutrition and treatable diseases, which is awful because you and I can do something about that. But it's also good because you and I can do something about that, right? Um, as I've heard many people say, you know, well, if God really does provide, why are there so many poor people in the world? Well, He's provided, it's in mine and your pockets. If we'll just let him use us to do something, it's part of his way of showing love, right? Um, you've been rescued to be a rescuer, so it, it provides that too. Do we make the kids get vaccinated? No, we do not. Do they want to be vaccinated? 
yes. And we provide that if they want that. And I'm not talking about COVID. I'm talking about the stuff that you and I got vaccinated for when we were seven and eight and nine. They've never been vaccinated for that. So we, we do take care of that. We do provide clean water for the kids, just so you'll know that. And then a lot of people don't understand this. All of this is done in a church. And so in that program, they learn all about Jesus. As they get older, they're taught social skills. They're taught uh, a, an income generating activity, what you and I would call a career. We, we, they're taught that if they want to go to college and, and we, they can get caught up, and many times they do, we help them with that. All of that is covered plus more with your $38 a month. So those coming to the tables that are like, so what does this provide? If I had, I could literally, and you're like, dude, you're already taking six hours, but I could take six hours and tell you even more. But that's the basic things it covers for every child, okay? That's what I wanted you to know. The end result you sponsor the kid when they come into the program. When they graduate high school, they come, they come out of the Compassion Program. In most high schools, in most countries, I should say, high school goes to grade 14, not 12. So average age of a kid graduating high school in the rest of the world is 20, not 18 like it is here. Um, we do allow them a year or two to be held back because, remember, I told you they start behind the other kids, but 22 is the age limit. But for the most part, you're rescuing the kid, you know, from now until they finish high school. And then when, when they finish, they're released into the world. Empowered, not enabled. Christians, nine times out of ten, not someone still searching for that truth because they're taught that the whole time in that church. So I've never seen anything more evangelically effective in my life, and it's why I do it. It really is, right? And it's why I really hope that you'll do that too. But, yeah, again, I could talk about it all day. Um, what if I introduced proof that it works? Like, I need proof. I'm that guy. I'm a skeptic. So prove it, right? Um, you say you love Jesus? Prove it. You say compassion works, prove it. What I want you to know is this isn't just one success story. I don't know if any of you guys do Amway. <laughs> you know how when they talk, I've had like Amway reach out to me like 30 times in my life, and they tell me about this one dude, this Cecil guy, that's making all this money. There's just one of them, right? Compassion's not like that. The story you're about to hear will be a little different in all the other contexts, but the success stories are in the thousands with compassion. And one of your focus countries is the Dominican Republic. And I don't know if you guys remember, but like four years ago when we did this, Gerald Lorenzo had come to speak to you. And he is starting to go and speak to churches that he's been to before again because his crazy story that God just keeps writing just keeps changing. And by the way, same with me and you. Do you think he's done with you? Nah, he's just getting started with you. He really is. So if you would, Gathering, I would love for you to help me make Gerald Lorenzo welcome as he comes and shares the rest of that story. Thank you. What a blessing is um, to be here again um, I remember when I was just coming to here, I, I was thinking like, wait a minute, I was here 
before pandemic. And I told, you know, Scott, and I say, Scott, I was here before pandemic. But what a blessing is, like, what he say when God can, can just continue just uh, rewriting your, your story. And that was what is happening with me. So I want to just tell you, because I know that there are a lot of people here that probably are new, and some of you have heard my story, some of you know, uh, but I want to start just telling you about my life before compassion. And the first thing that I want to say is that being abandoned by your father, it is hard. But it is harder when you don't mean anything to your father. I remember that um, when I was four years old, my father left the house. And my mother, she had to raise my brother and me all by herself. And from that age, I never knew what it was like to have a father in my life. That means that everything started to change in my life because I had to deal with a lot of things. I had to deal with no money to eat, no money to dress, no money to have an education. And unfortunately, I grew up in a lousy neighborhood in Santo Domingo where drugs, illegal weapons, crimes, and poverty were my daily bread. I remember that my father, he was a police officer, and he never, never, never had time for me. And as a result of that, I had to do a lot of things in my life. I had to face a lot of things in my life, like um, just um, going to my school from Monday to Friday with my broken shoes and, and many times just uh, without money uh, for breakfast. I remember some, some times in my life that um, my mom, she was always saying, okay, Gerald, uh, today we got 10 Dominican pesos. And we need to choose between you taking that money for transportation or taking that money for breakfast. So the day that I decide just to take that money for breakfast, it means that I had to walk to my school. But the day that I decide just to take that money for transportation, it means that that day there, was, there wasn't breakfast for me. So I remember things in my life that, like, I had to sell juice and empanadas on the street to survive. I didn't have a bed to sleep on. I had to sell uh, hot chocolate and cookies in the morning, 4 a.m., just to, to, to survive. And, and I remember me just knocking the door of my neighbors and asking them for empty bottles of Coca-Cola and exchanging those empty bottles of Coca-Cola for bread and milk at the mini market or grocery store, just to eat the only meal of the day. Many times, many times I was crying. Uh, you know, I didn't know what to do. And I remember one moment that I decided to call my father. That day, it was a Monday in the morning. And when I decided to call him, after 14 attempts, he asked me to pass by the police station. Why a police station? Because he was a police officer. And he asked me to stop by the police station. When I went to that place, it was 7 a.m. in the morning. And I was waiting for my father until 5 p.m. And my father never showed up. And I don't know if you can imagine a child waiting in a police station just to, um, waiting in a police station just to get some money to buy food. That was my case. 
I remember that when, when I went to my house again, because I called him, you know, and, and he said, okay, just go to your home. I'm going to call your mom uh, like I don't care about you. And I remember that I was crying. And I remember that that day I, I fell into my knees and I was crying. And I talked to the Lord and I say, hey, Lord, if you get me out of this situation, I promise you that I'm going to, I'm going to serve you for the rest of my life. And let me tell you something. If I am here today, it is because the Lord just got me out of the situation that I was living. There is no other reason why I am here today than just to say the Lord saved my life. My mom, she was desperate. She didn't know what to do. She was crying. And I remember that there was a, a church close to the community that I, that I was living. And in that church, there was a compassion program. And that compassion program, my mom just talked to those people and they say, okay, let's go to Bees' uh, Jeter's house. And when they went to my house, they start, they start just uh, seeing what was the way that I was living. And I remember that they put me in a list and they, they took me some pictures like, like to put in a packet, like those child packets. And they, they sent one of my packets to um, London, United Kingdom. And in a church like this church, there was a man that he decided to sponsor me. And that was the perfect time when everything started to change in my life. Why? Because we found a place that provides food, uniform, transportation for me. But I always say, we found a place that provides the most important things that anybody can have in your life. And it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So my first bed was gifted by compassion. And that was the first time that I was able to sleep on a bed. My elementary studies were paid by compassion. And, and that was the moment when everything started to change in my life. Today, I can say that my mom, my brother, and I accepted Jesus Christ through Compassion International. And my mom, she's a co-pastor now in a church in the Dominican Republic. My brother, he is serving and working as an external host for Compassion in the DR. Um, today, I can say that my life is not like, like a roller coaster anymore. Many people ask me, hey, Gerald, can you please let us know about you and your sponsor? Have you met your sponsor before? And the answer is not. I never met him in person. But many of you know that compassion has something that is called letters. And through the letters, we create a bond of a father and son that I never knew before. And when my father never called me to say happy birthday, to say something special to me, I was always, every year, receiving letters from my sponsor. Just letting me know, hey, Gerald, we are here in London, United Kingdom. We know that you are in the DR and that we are here in London. But we just want to let you know that you are so special for us. We just want to let you know that, or we just want to wish you the best of the Christmas. Or what about, how, how is everything with you and in your school? Every year I was receiving letters from my sponsor. And like I say, my life is not a roller coaster anymore. 
So today I am married to a beautiful woman from the DR, Vanessa, and I got two beautiful baby girls, uh, Valerie and Victoria. And there is something that I always love about showing my family because um, things that one day a man decided to sponsor me and show me evidence about the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'm, I always say that I'm not going to repeat the same story as my father. So one of the goals that I have in my life is to be that husband for my wife that my mom never had, but also to be that father for my daughters that I never had before. So today, I got a bachelor's degree in business management. I got a certification in Christian leadership. I'm working and serving to a lot of people with immigration, but also I am just being part of, my, of the prayer team of my church. So I'm serving to the Lord, and I'm just showing evidence to other people about the, about the love of Jesus Christ. So many people ask me, Gerald, can you please let us know about you and your father? How is the relationship between you and him? Because now you are a Christian guy. You are serving to the Lord. You are traveling to a lot of churches and talking about what the Lord is doing in your life. But what about you and your father? So my father, he passed away a few years ago. But God allowed me to go to my father's house before that. And talk to him about the gospel of Jesus Christ and forgive him. Why? I always say because when God comes to you, it is not just to give you food, transportation, and uniform. It is to change everything in your life. Amen. The last things that I know that you, many of you, um, have never heard about me and my life is about my mom. And let me tell you something. If I am here today, it's just to prove you that compassion works. Why? Maybe you can hear my story, but when, when you can just, or when you can see the Lord adding more to your story, that's, that's amazing. Somebody asked me, uh, a few months ago, hey, Gerald, can you please let us know about what compassion did for you? And as soon as he asked me that question, I re respond to him and I say, hey, you know what? I'm going to let you know what Jesus Christ is still doing in my life through Compassion International. And the reason why it was because my mom, she was diagnosed with something called Chiari malformation type 2. This is like a little tumor in the spinal cord. And that kind of diagnosis needs need a brain surgery. So I remember that my mom called me from the Dominican Republic. And she said, hey, Gerald, I'm here. And I was visiting a doctor. And he said that he want to talk to you and with all of my, my children. And I was like, what is happening to you? And she said, I don't know. But he said that he want to talk to you. So I said, okay, let me talk to the doctor. The doctor started just explaining, explaining to me that my mom, um, you know, 
uh, they need to perform a surgery for her because if not, she's going to start losing uh, her body nerves and, and that, that was a brain surgery, you know. And I was like, okay, what we have to do? And he said, well, I can give you the diagnosis, but I don't have a specialty in that kind of surgery. So we need to find a doctor here in the Dominican Republic to help her. And I was like, mom, let's go to the United States and let's try to find a doctor in the U.S. Just to try to see if we can do something for you, you know. And we came here to the Jackson Memorial in Miami. And we found a doctor in that place and he said, okay, what your mom has is a... Is um, like a little tumor in the spinal cord, and we need to perform a, 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 a brain surgery for her, and we need to do that as soon as possible because if not, she's gonna start losing her body nerves and blah blah. blah. And I was like, okay, let's do it. What we have to do? And he said, we got a problem because your mom doesn't have medical insurance here in the United States. And I was like, you know what, doctor? We don't have any problem. How much it is? And he say, okay, if you have $55,000 in two weeks, we can prepare your mom and we can perform a surgery for her. And when he mentioned that kind of money, I never have seen $55,000 in my life. You know, but when, when he mentioned that kind of money, I was like, you know what, doctor, we got a big problem now. <laughs> Not just a problem. We got a big, big problem, $55,000. But I remember that I look at my mom and I say, you know what? If there is something that I remember from you is that every day during the night, you are praying to the Lord. If there is something that I remember from you is that every Saturday in the morning when I'm walking uh, out of my room, I hear you just praying to the Lord. And I'm pretty sure that the Lord is going to provide for you. Don't worry about that. Just let, let's work and let's try to find those $55,000, but let's do what we have to do. So my mom, she went back to the Dominican Republic. And I don't know why or how, but she found an appointment with one of the doctors that used to perform surgery for the government guys in the Dominican Republic. She called me and she said, hey, Gerald, I am here just visiting a doctor. But here is what happened in that, in that office. My mom mentioned my name because she said, we need to call Gerald Lorenzo, that, that is my son. And there was a doctor in that place that I started just asking my mom, like, did you mention Gerald Lorenzo? And my mom said, yes. And that doctor, she said, was Gerald Lorenzo in Compassion International? And my mom said, yes. And that doctor said, is Gerald Lorenzo now living in the United States? And my mom said, yes. And that doctor said, you know what? If you are Gerald's mom, you are my mom. And I was like, my mom called me and she said, Gerald, there is a doctor here. She want to talk to you. She said that she knows you. And I was like, okay, just pass me the phone. When I took the phone, when, I, when she passed me the phone, I, I start just, you know, talking with that doctor. And I say, hey, uh, who is? And she say, it's Nugent Lee Vargas. Do you remember me? 
And I say, yes, I remember you. How are you? And she say, no, I'm not calling you to letting you know how I am. I'm calling you just to letting you know, did you remember when we were together in the compassion program that you were a student business management and I was a student medicine? And I was like, yes, I remember that moment we were together in the leadership development program of compassion. She said, well, now I am a neurosurgeon. And I'm just calling you to letting you know that your mom is in good hand. And that, that I'm going to perform the surgery for your mom. I don't know if you can understand what I'm saying, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Former sponsor child. A lady that was a sponsor for someone here in the United States was the person that God used to save my mom's life. And you know how much do we pay for that surgery? Nothing. We pay zero dollar. You know what? I remember those moments in the in the surgery room and everything, and I was crying to the Lord, just just saying, wow, Lord, thank you because you always, you are always in the right time in our life. But what, what I love just sharing my story now is how the Lord just rescribed my, my story with the Compassion uh, um, Organization. And let me tell you something. Here we got a lot of package, and I know that many of you have a sponsor, you know, have at least one, one child sponsored. But what I'm, what I'm believing is that in those tables, we got the next neurosurgeon, we got the next pastors, we got the next missionaries, the next evangelists, who knows? But also what I can tell you to all of you is, that when you sponsor a child, you are not only sponsoring a child. You are changing a life as my life. You are transforming a family as my mom, my brother, and I. But you are impacting an entire generation as my wife, my baby girls, and all the youth people that I have been able to work with. So today, church, I can say that when... I, I, can, I can say that Jesus and the church, and this is something that I want you to all of you just keep in your mind. Jesus and the church are more powerful than poverty. Amen. Thank you so much for, for having me here.
I am a horrible salesperson. Thankfully, there's nothing to sell you on but the gospel. There are some things that we don't have to pray about, but we should definitely plan for. And I'm asking you to make room for one more. When Compassion came last time, Wendy and I took three children, one from each country. I definitely wanted to have a Burkina Faso friend. That's my BFF. And we're still, we're going to make room for one more. I, I wanted Gerald to tell the story about his mom because we've spent the last month and a half talking about how our greatest story is still being written. And I shared this with a few people this week. You don't want to miss our last Sunday because on this last Sunday, God gives you the pen. Think about that. He's literally taking the pen and he's handing it to you and he's saying, I want you to help write someone else's story. And when I heard the story about how, I mean, we hear it now, like your mom, we see the picture, and it's amazing, but in my mind, I went, back to when you were like maybe this tall, and God used somebody in London and somebody in America to start writing a story, and he wants to do that through you and through me. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. I just want to read this to you from the message because I want, to, I want you to hear the last four words, and then we'll begin to close. Does this sound like we're patting ourselves on the back, insisting on our credentials, asserting our authority? Well, we're not. Neither do we need letters of endorsement, either to you or from you. You yourselves are all the endorsement we need. Your very lives are a letter that anyone can read by just looking at you. Christ himself wrote it, not with ink, but with God's living spirit, not chiseled into stone, but carved into human lives. And these are the four words that I hope echo in your soul. And we publish it. We. God uses us to publish the stories that are being written in people's lives. I, I love this blue chair. Like, it's beautiful it's beautiful <laughs> but you know what 
it hit me this morning on the way to church. Our culture, we see empty chairs as more space for us. I'll put my, I won't put my purse there, but you know what I'm saying. Like if I was a woman with a purse, I'd put my purse there. I'll put my backpack there. I've got a laptop sitting right there, a Bible. Like we find a way to use the space of a chair for us when that's supposed to be for somebody else. We, we, we stand in circles and talk, and we close the circle so that there's just four of us talking, and somebody else could be right there, and we will keep it closed instead of opening up and making room for more. I'm not trying to be too personal, but, like, we've had a rough couple of years. I mean, our family has been hit with some stuff, and we've, like, incurred some financial stuff that we didn't have before those two years started. And I started this year, I felt like God said, I said, God, I just want to be out of debt, right? I want to be out of debt. And so God, as God often does, here's what he said. That's a great plan. I want you to give more. But, but God, if I, if I give more, I'll have less to, like, do the thing I, need, I want to do. And he's like, I just want you to give more. So we're going to give more. I, I can't make you do what you do. That's Scott's job. Kidding. That's the Holy Spirit. I'm just telling you what we're doing. We are going to open our hearts, open our bank account. We're going to make room for one more. We are. Because there's somebody at this tables, on these tables, somebody's story is God's writing it right now. And, and not only is Christ himself going to write it, but Wendy and I, you, if you choose to, he gets, we get to publish it. We're the ones that get to publish that story so that people can hear it. You heard a story this morning because somebody in London said, I'm, I don't know exactly what I'm doing, but I'm going to help publish a story. We, we don't just get together to hear them. We have to proclaim it. And this is how we do it. We do it by rescuing a child. So no pressure at all i'm asking you this morning to make room for one more i'm asking you to become an active part of the story that god is writing in a child that you may never meet but whose story you could publish gerald is changed because someone helped his story get published his mom is changed because someone helped a neurologist get her story published and i'm asking you to make room at your table to make room in your circle to make room in your story for one more tablet that God can write his story on. And I pray that every time you see, hopefully more blue chairs, that would be awesome. But at least every time you see an empty chair, you'll ask the Lord, who's that chair for? And how do you want to use me to make sure they sit in it? Come on, church. Let's make room for one more. Scott, you want to come and just share before we let them do it? Like, live out the message. Thanks for being here. Don't you want to be part of that kind of life change? I do. Um, I was a pastor for 13 years, and I used to have people come up to me all the time. Pastor Scott, I just want to be a part of something bigger than me great we'd give them options and they'd say well not today and they'd come back later i'm just kind of bored with my walk with god man if you're bored with your walk with god it's not god 
I'm just telling you. He will keep you uncomfortable. Because I, I really can't think of many times I've met God. Now, he's everywhere. I get it. For the theologians, I know. He's everywhere. But I've rarely met God in a real way like we did earlier this morning when we were worshiping in spirit and truth. I've rarely met him that way in a comfort zone. He always wants us out of that. Because that's where he's at. He's over here. Just if you'll come join me, <laughs> it won't be boring anymore. <laughs> but it'll be amazing. Did you know that true worship is always followed by obedience? And that's why I always am blown away. And I'm, I'm not blown away since COVID. I'll tell you that. Since COVID, churches are being obedient. There's a reason that there's a movement of God in the world again. Something about COVID. I don't know what the enemy meant for, but I know what God's doing with it. <laughs> He's changing some lives since then. And I know you want to be a part of that. So, look, I think our goal today is like 50 kids at least that we want to rescue from poverty. We could do that, really. There's two people in the room that could do that. I'm serious. I've had it happen before. But we've got tables here in the front and tables in the back. And, you know, we're going to ask that you, we're going to stand in a minute. And today, instead of doing church, I love what Allison said. It's, you don't just, it's not a check mark. I did church today. That's so good. We're going to be the church today. So I want to answer a few questions. This is some of the questions I get a lot. Hey, can I sponsor more than one child? Well, of course. Um, what I will tell you is that it is 100% tax deductible. They're speaking to the business people, right? Um, that way your business can pay for it, you, however you want to do that. If you sponsor more than one today, like my wife and I do, you, we're just going to ask you to fill out one card. We are going to ask you to tear off the bottom piece of every child that you're wanting to rescue. Fill out one card. We'll staple the rest of the cards together. So if God's moved you to do, I had a, a young kid, newly married, said that God just kept putting the number seven on his mind. He'd just been reading in Joshua and uh, the story of Jericho. And he said, we're just going to do seven kids. And his wife went like this like my wife did when I said we we're going to add a kid every year because she's the accountant and she doesn't even question it anymore because I'm just going to be honest with you I've given up nothing to do it <laughs> some pastors will say just give up a latte one latte a week and you can do this true that is true I'm just telling you because you're being obedient you can keep the latte and God will still provide for this I still play a lot of softball. Cost me 300 something dollars for a bat. Hard to find that in my budget. But it's not hard to find money to sponsor kids. I can't explain it. God does finances differently. And when you give, it opens a spirit of generosity in you that only God can do. And it's really hard for God to put money in a hand that looks like that. But if you'll do that. So. The packets look like this. They're in three pieces. It's actually three sections, one piece. Just tear off the bottom piece, fill out the front of that and the back of it, and bring it back to the table, right? So, yes, you can do more than one kid. Hey, what if you're watching online? If you're watching online, you're part of our church family too, and we love that. And you can join this movement of God as we rescue kids in three different countries 
Burkina Faso, which is a huge need in Africa, a heavily Muslim country that is anti-Christian in many ways, also in Peru, and then in the Dominican Republic where Gerald is from. But all you got to do is just text the word gathering to 83393. Do we have a screen for that? There we go. To release a child from poverty, text gathering to 83393, and you could do it that way. Um, maybe you're a grandparent. Had a grandparent in Denver, North Carolina. Anybody know where that is? Home of the Broncos. No, no it's not. Um, but a grandfather, great looking dude, by the way. Um, I hope I looked that good when I'm his age. But he walked up and he said, I've got 10 grandkids. I'm going to sponsor 10 kids. I'm going to let each grandchild be the sponsor. I'm going to pay for it. And then I'm going to make sure my kids know that when I go to heaven, they're to continue this with my grandchildren. I want to leave that kind of legacy of giving with my grandchildren. Wow. And so now I share that story everywhere I go because there's some grandparents in the room and great-grandparents in the room that can do the same thing or let their business pay for it if they want to do that. Hey, if you are below the age of 40, you know what this thing is. For old people like myself, that's called a QR code, right? I've had people everywhere say, can I use that QR code? Yes, you can. You can. If you use the QR code, and so the young kids, you guys help us old people figure out how to use that thing with our camera, with our phone, the camera on our phone. But if you use the QR code, we still need you to fill out the front of the card. But on the back, you can just say used QR code. But here's the thing. I want you to hear me. I don't like to push the QR code first because so many of us hit the QR codes and don't finish the process. If you do that and you don't finish the process, the kid doesn't get sponsored. So we, we, we ask you, if you would, just tear off the bottom piece, hit the QR code. When you finish the process on your phone, give us the thumbs up and we'll turn the card in for you then, okay? But the main thing to remember is don't take the card home until we have this bottom piece. Pretty simple, really. I'm ready. Are you? Listen, it's been a great day. I'm going to ask you to stand if you would. Um, we're going to release at least 50 kids from poverty. And then we're going to eat together a meal that, as you heard Gerald say, on average, kids living in extreme poverty get to eat like that twice a week. And then they don't eat anymore. I mean, I, it, it blew my mind when I found out from Denzel he would eat on Monday and then his brother would eat on Tuesday or he had he's a family of three. So he would eat, maybe two of them would eat on Monday, another two on Tuesday. Maybe he skips until Wednesday. That's the way they survive. Most kids, as we said, don't die of starvation. It's malnutrition. So I'm going to pray for us, right? And then when we say amen, we're going to meet at the tables, change the world, and then we'll break bread together. Isn't that cool? Let me pray for us. Let's pray. God, I just love you. I do. I love that I get to tell the world, you know, not what you've done in my life, just what you've done, period. You've, you do it in all these lives. There's a story in every person in this room, a God story. And it's a story that you just want to keep writing. And you know what? Sometimes we get off the rails a little bit, but you're there waiting on us to get, get us back. And here we are again today. What a, a great group to show up on a rainy, cold morning when we lose an hour of sleep 
and yet we still come to worship you. You're worth that. And God, you don't just give us stuff so we can have stuff. You've taught us that the opposite of poverty is not wealth, it's enough. And we've all got more than enough. And you give us that to help others just have the basics that they need. I just pray that people won't say, you know what, I can't, I can't, I can't. I pray that they'll say, you can, and you will. Move in our hearts today. And thanks for an incredible day at the gathering. In your name I pray, amen. All right, we're at the tables. Come see us.